everyone, welcome back to the Dadcore Cinema Club. It's a celebration of the cable classic, the middlebrow masterpiece, those movies that never stop reminding you of the magic of prom night, no matter how many times you watch them. I am your host, Brandon. Joining me as always is my co-host, Charlie. It's me, Charlie. That is Charlie. Folks, if you listened to us last week, you heard an incredible episode don't actually know what it was about. We were recording this about three weeks out. I hope it was good. Don't want to be a liar. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. It's probably great. But this week, we are joined by a very special guest. We are joined by Twitter's own Jessica at Bad Posts LLC. You might know her for her love of farm games. Maybe you know her for her love of comics. She has another love. It is Brian De Palma movies. We've invited her on. Hey, Jessica. Hey, thanks for having me. And Jessica, what movie are we talking about? We are talking about the uh, 1976 Brian De Palma film, Carrie, uh, based off the Stephen King novel, or based on, I don't know how the correct way to say that. Uh, it's definitely based. It is based. Yeah, it's based. Yeah. That's right, yeah, we have uh, Carrie on my dad core pod. Yeah, I would argue this is a mom core movie. Uh, I, moms love this movie. Do they? I they mean, do. It's... My mom loves it. The moms of my friends love it. My mm -hmm. mom, this is off topic already, but my mom once, when I was like nine, gave me a detailed synopsis of this movie. Nice. Yeah, I, I feel like moms love Sissy Spacek. Mm -hmm. Definitely a very mom-forward movie. A lot of moms mm -hmm. in the movie. No dads. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is this is like the first movie, I think it's the first movie we've done on the podcast to even just like star uh, 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 have a female star as in like not a co-star because we did Greece and obviously Olivia Newton-John is the co-star of Greece, but she's staring like 50% of her screen time with Travolta. Uh, Sissy Spacek is the capital S star of Carrie. Uh, no one else is, is vying for that title. She's Carrie. Yeah. Most of the main characters in this with two exceptions are, are, are all women. So mm -hmm. yeah, this is our second, uh, 70s travolta performance we've gotten to on the podcast <laughs> mm -hmm. Good and he's kind of him. playing the same character in both movies this is, this is like a proto uh proto was it was danny in in uh danny zuko in in greece this, this is like this is danny zuko before greece this is what he was doing before he got before he met sandy dropping pig, pig blood on girls <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah just being a horny asshole <laughs> but yeah carrie She's got psychic powers and a crazy mom. A really crazy mom. Very um, wacky lady. I guess it's, I mean, she's just, has a lot of, a lot of religious fervor. So I yeah. can't really judge, you know. That's um, her right. Her right even, as an American. I would say even for, even for people with religious fervor, she is pretty over the top. <laughs> That's not just what it's like in Christian households. I grew up without religion, so I don't really know. I mean, know. it was kind of like that in mine, but mine was over the top, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up in kind of like in a religious household. And the, uh, we were like, family was baptized, but we didn't really go to church or anything. So I just mm -hmm. assumed this is how it was. Uh, for some for some families. <laughs> not all of them, thank God, but... <laughs> no, like if you made this movie today, instead of like being uh, an outcast sort of portray it as like more religious than their community yeah. she would be like a very devout member of a megachurch 
Yeah, you know, I would say this type of Christian, this type of... Okay, so she's kind of weird anyways, because I think they're vaguely Catholic. Mm -hmm. But I never knew many Catholics like this. I knew a lot of, like, nuts evangelicals like this. Um, But this type of, like, this type of Christian doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, This was something I I think died out in my childhood, because I remember a lot from my childhood, and then just never seeing that type of person again. I don't know Mm -hmm. where they went. (laughs) They ascended. They all got yeah, raptured. Yeah, no, he came back. Everyone here that's still yeah. here is the ones that got left behind. <laughs> we are left behind. I mean, if this movie's anything to go by, I think they all descended. <laughs> all their houses just... <laughs> just swallowed into the earth. <laughs> Why can't that be me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is a De Palma movie, though, like... Within the first two minutes, you can be 100% sure that this was directed by Brian De Palma. Yeah, that I always forget how horny the opening is. It's yeah. it's weirdly horny for like what are I mean, high school seniors. Mm-hmm. It is like it is, especially when it's leading up to like the horrifying reveal of her having her period and, and not knowing mm-hmm. what's going on to her body. It's like. It's leer. It's very leering on these these female bodies, like for a very long time. Yeah, it's all in slow motion. There's this like mm-hmm. really pretty classical music going on. Very strange. Yeah, it. I think part of what he is trying to do is this kind of like idealized version of like high school, and I think maybe his idealized version of what happens in girls' locker rooms. <laughs> Um, he is a little boy leer- like peering in through a hole in the wall. Yeah, no, that's what he is. And like, I'm so glad that once, once, once Carrie, once Carrie's period starts and the movie really starts, we kind of leave that stuff behind mm-hmm. for the most part. But yeah, I, I, I kind of think this is like both him like idealizing high school and also probably his, ver- his version of what like he probably mm-hmm. thought the girls were up yeah. to. Uh, when he was, um, uh, when he himself was a high schooler, I, I have like two. I have like two reads on it. I think like one. I think maybe in some way he's heightening the sexuality before he hits you with like what he views as the reality of mm-hmm. teenage uh, sexual awakening, which is like it is. I, I guess at least for Carrie. I mean, I'm not. I didn't. I had a different experience as a guy, but um. I guess like for her, like what is scary, like a very scary moment. Mm -hmm. Puberty is a, is a big change in your life. Everyone goes through major changes, obviously different people with different changes. Uh, And for her, it's something she's not used to because, or not expecting because she wasn't taught it. And so it's like, he's showing you the romanticized, idealized, very sexy version of what is, Oh, the, the female form at Mm -hmm. at this, at this period of youth. And then, and then it contrasts very heavily with that horrifying moment where she gets like extremely scared at the fact that she is, uh, having her period and she didn't expect it and doesn't know what's going on and she gets worried and she starts freaking out and there's like a there's it it I guess he's trying to make it hit harder to be like this is the fantasy and that I'm hitting you with the reality and, and it kind of shatters the fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the other thing is I think he's getting it out of the way. He's like I'm not going to do it for the rest of the movie. I got to get as much as I can in at the start. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, um, I think both are uh, uh, strong reads. They're both probably true. <laughs> it's also weird too because like it lingers so long on Tissy Spacek's body and like her skin and like for so long 
and just there's something about her face where it's like very hard for me to like tell how old she is like it without looking it up i would believe that that was like a teenage girl apparently she was like 25 or 26 but it, she looks I, very young and very yeah. young and very innocent in this movie she always had a young like back then mm. like always the super young face for a very very long time yeah it just adds to that like creepy leering quality that she mm-hmm. comes off as so young um one other thing and i don't know have either of you seen de palma's uh dress to kill um no he opens that in a that is opens with a woman uh with a middle-aged woman taking a shower and he opens it in a very similar way as well before having the horror just kind of puncture everything yeah it's funny because like the opposite kind of happens in uh blowout where it opens on like this Mm -hmm. horny violent thing but then undercuts it with like a comedic beat that like Mm -hmm. it pulls back i don't know he's definitely like aware of what's going on oh yeah he always his best movies are always this uh are very controlled like he knows exactly it's why like when his work when his movies don't work they almost don't work on any level (laughs) because like He's either in total control or he's just like off kilter for some reason. Um, like um, Bonfire of the Vanities, if either of you've seen that. No. No, he but was, I, I've, I've heard about it. I've heard about it. <laughs> There's good parts, but yeah, it's it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, I think the beginning of the movie, too, puts you in the Stephen King space pretty immediately, too, because I don't know. Maybe it is like this for other people, but like my experience with like bullies as a kid was nowhere near as like violent or traumatic as King (laughs) imagines them to be. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know if that disappeared by the time I was growing up in like the nineties, but uh, like my experience was kids were very mean and they only got meaner up until middle school. And then by high school, they kind of chilled out and bullying was more name calling than it was Mm -hmm. like a physical act on people and then, i mean for all we know this is hiding too i mean although you know i knew people who were pretty heavily bullied in high school yeah nothing nothing ever like this but i mean for me i kind of i kind of lump it all together like in my mm. head school is just this huge lump of mm. just wall-to-wall misery <laughs> yeah um and that could just be what he's doing here or or they had hit king and De Palma had the worst fucking high school experience mm. ever <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's happened in New England. I wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, kids are mean, but I feel like Stephen King bullies are like trying to stab you with a knife and stuff. They're like possessed (laughs) by the devil, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Carrie is bullied by like the like every girl in her school is bullying her all at once. Mm -hmm. And there's everyone there. There's the popular hot girl. There's uh, her nice friend. There's the girl with glasses. There's the girl dressed like Mario. Every type of girl you had in school was there. They all had, they'd all gone together and settled that mm-hmm. Carrie sucks and we're going to be really mm-hmm. cruel to her. <laughs> she was really bad at that volleyball game. That was, that's my first note was she mm-hmm. sucks at volleyball and I'd bully her too because she really was very bad at volleyball. She I lost in the game, the big game. Yeah. Can't do that. <laughs> big game. I think it was just Jim. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, that stuff matters. Well, this is why I wasn't liked in high school either, because I also was bad at volleyball. You lost. (laughs) I was very very bad at gym class. (laughs) 
well, this is why we're recording a podcast now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I was a jock in high school, so can't relate. <laughs> I was a band kid. The the girl with glasses, I didn't look this up to confirm, but I'm pretty sure she's like the secretary in Ferris Bueller. The one that says he's a real righteous dude. <laughs> I don't remember which one the girl with glasses is, or I would look that no. up. <laughs> It's just notable that it's even the nerds bullying her. It's everybody's mm-hmm. in here. And that one girl just never takes off that red hat. She's got the red hat. She's got blue overalls and a red shirt. It's that's just Mario. And she never I takes off the red hat the whole movie. So cool. Like, yeah, I was like, it sucked that she was a bully because I was like, she's really neat. I would be yeah. friends with her. Or I'd she like got to be the unique outfit out of like everyone else. Everyone else is dressing like pretty like average, like movie teenage girl. And then she gets like the unique outfit, but she doesn't have as much to do as everyone else. Yeah. And mean? she's even wearing that hat at the, uh, yeah, she stands out despite not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Cause she's even wearing that hat at the, um, at the prom. Uh, at yeah, the, the prom, prom. That's right. Yeah. It's her formal hat. <laughs> she's even wearing her whole red shirt outfit when everyone else is like dressed out for PE. She like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The school just recognizes that she needs to wear her little costume. She, it's like she's a cartoon character. It's like you, you, if you we saw her like house in her closet, would just be just that outfit for the entire closet. I mean, she could easily be like a Hey Arnold character. Like she looks mm-hmm. like she'd fit in that type of like oh, yeah. that or Recess <laughs> or one of those other shows I haven't thought about in twenty five years. No, she's absolutely a Hey, hey yeah. Arnold character. She's a Spinelli <laughs> type. She's actually she's she's absolutely Helga uh, G Pataki. Is what that character is. <laughs> Even the teachers are mean to her. Not the gym. The gym teacher's nice. She's like, she is like a sleuth. She's going Columbo mode in this movie. She's nice, but she also is like, I also think she's kind of annoying. Like when she's she, talking to the principal, she's like, even I wanted to like hit her or whatever. <laughs> she did hit her. She slaps her in the face. That's says, true. Yeah. Calm down. Get your shit together. Smacking her. <laughs> but the, the P teacher's cool because she's smoking in the principal's office too. You don't you can't do that anymore. Lost I wish they would still let me smoke in schools. Yeah. <laughs> or well, they don't let me in schools. I don't think. But <laughs> the poetry guy is rude to her, though. He's oh. an asshole. Like her comment. So that that part in the scene, it, um, Tommy Ross, you know, his poem is read, and he's like, "Oh, this is a great poem." Any any criticisms? And I thought, I mean, hers wasn't a criticism, but like. She's the only one actually engaging in that class. She's like, oh, no, I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he just mocks her. He starts saying beautiful for spacious skies. Mm-hmm. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, she should be the teacher's pet for daring to even speak. He should mm-hmm. be like, thank you so much. That's what every teacher would do. But this guy's just, like, practicing his, like, insult comedy routine in the classroom. <laughs> yeah, he had a whole thing, a whole routine. <laughs> He's been practicing it. That's why he was waiting to deploy it. He's just get waiting for a shot. That's why he had. He's, he knew it was so me. He's like, I just got to try it. <laughs> well, he wants to be the cool guy teacher, and he knows all the other kids will like him if he makes fun of mm-hmm. Carrie. It's easy points to score with the rest <laughs> of the class. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's hanging out with the kids after school. He's that teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you've got the principal who isn't specifically mean to her but refuses to get her name right cassie 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 yeah. cassie <laughs> oh 
he's corrected like four different times and he's just like, oh, send Cassie and oh, hi, Cassie. <laughs> and that's the scene where we find out that it's an X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where she's Jean Grey. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's um, she's a Matilda. <laughs> Does Matilda have powers? Yes. I've never seen Matilda. Yeah, I've never oh, seen Matilda yeah. either. This is oh, a huge wow. I know it's got a big Matilda cake. has powers. It's like, yeah, she's Carrie. Oh, I thought Matilda was just like a, a cool, a cool kid. I thought that was yeah, the whole thing. Oh, I'm cool, and I got this little smirk I do. And I got a cake realize. or whatever. That's what the movie's about. She's got. We well, haven't just made Carrie it. for kids. <laughs> yeah, Roll doll. That's awesome. Roll Carrie, they should remake kids. more De Palma movies for kids. Yeah, Dress to Kill for kids. But <laughs> <laughs> isn't Matilda a rolled doll story? Is it? I we know nothing about Matilda. <laughs> You're asking right. me about a book. Forget I, I brought a up book podcast. Forget Matilda. Forget I brought up Matilda. I don't know how to read. <laughs> yeah, she shakes the ashtray though. Mm-hmm. With her mind. Is that the? I guess that is the. No, well, the first time we see her use her powers, I guess that that's the most. That's the first time we specifically see it. But uh, when she's freaking out and the gym teacher's holding her in the shower. And the students are all yelling at her. She makes the uh, one of the overhead lights explode. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. oh, yeah. She also like owns a little kid on a bicycle. Yeah, that part's so good. <laughs> yeah, she gets told to go home. And she's just like, that kid, how did that kid even know to make fun of her? I guess they just have town. The whole town, whole town is like, like fuck Carrie. <laughs> oh, she's like Hubie Halloween. I get it. Whole town hates her. Yeah, yeah. Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> um, Carrie Halloween. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Almost, it's almost time to watch Hubie. That's off topic. Uh, but yeah, she's she, she just like, she, she wrecks that kid. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Carrie's my hero. I mean, that's the thing about Carrie is, you know, we'll get to the, I know we're going to get to it later, but, you know, she does snap eventually. She's not a bad person. And even when she does bad, like it is, it is a pure emotional response mm-hmm. with uh-huh. the exception of she didn't really need to get that kid, but I'm sure it felt good. <laughs> I would have got that kid if I could. Well, if I, had I think power. when she throws the little kid off the bike, it's before she's like aware that she's mm-hmm. doing what she's mm-hmm. doing. So like, yeah, she hasn't gone book mode yet. She didn't mean to do that. She just in her mind thought it would be cool, and then it happened. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. She was right. And it was cool. <laughs> and that's like right before she were like introduced to her psycho mom. So she she needs to blow off a little steam before then. Yeah, because you have that scene, and then it goes to her mom, I guess, door-to-door evangelizing to the community. <laughs> like, really aggressively. Yeah. She says, she I, says that children are wandering through the forest of sin. Mm-hmm. And to shut her up, the the um, the, the lady who is the mother of Sue. the girl who becomes... Yeah, Sue, who later becomes Carrie's, I guess, friend. Um her guardian angel. One who hates her least. Yeah, yeah. The one who's like, well, wait, maybe we shouldn't hate Carrie this much. Yeah. She she feels bad about all the bullying, which is like nice, I guess. Mm-hmm. She has a conscience. She's she's the mean girl with a conscience. Even though she did bully her to begin with. And like her tact that she takes of sending her own boyfriend to prom with Carrie is very weird. That doesn't seem like super nice to me. That's just like a bizarre thing to do. Well, the teacher did think that she was like pulling something. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a weird prank. Mm-hmm. I think it's sweet. <laughs> it, I want to go to the like problem with Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> it 
Tommy does have incredible hair. Oh, yeah. Everyone, that movie, like, especially the scenes with Travolta and Nancy Allen together. Mm -hmm. um, I was just thinking, are they together because they have the most perfect hair I've ever seen on two people? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You get uh, the Tommy hair, too, during the, like, poetry scene. It's really highlighted because they have a split diopter that's, like, cut right along his hair so you can't oh, yeah. help mm-hmm. but like stare at, like at the fringe of his hair I, I feel like that's the split diopter shot of this movie that's like the one that i i've seen the most uh, it's a great shot and it shot. like tells you i mean you because you've got the moment where she's being harangued by her english teacher mm-hmm. uh and you just you get to see tommy's face and you know even if even if the um, his girlfriend Sue hadn't tried to set them up. Um, you can tell that like he's not a bully. He seems to actually, you know, he seemed moved by the fact that Carrie liked his poem. Mm-hmm. He's he's what Charlie talks a lot about. Uh, he's he's the jock poet. Mm-hmm. He the is philosoph- the jock poet. The philosopher jock. <laughs> philosopher jock. There we go. <laughs> That's what we're all looking for. The perfect man. Well, whatever happened to like to, to guys with perms you know we gotta go back. Speak go country. back you have to go back the 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 zoomer poof is i think a step in that direction not not a step far enough no I but hope the you next know, generation can really really bring back the, the boy perm it's really funny the in the noah bombach de palma movie he talks to him about split diopters and just like De Palma's whole thing was like, I don't really care about having anything in the frame that isn't in focus. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> very funny, like dumb guy well, brain, uh, like way to create images. Just like, why would I want something in the background to be all blurry? <laughs> I mean, that's De Palma's whole thing. Every image. It's one of the reasons why I think, he and I, I don't remember where I heard this, but like one of his whole things was he basically shot his movies or, or at least some of them exactly as he storyboarded them. There wasn't usually anything left out, much left over. Um, and part of that was, yeah, because he wanted everything to look right and also made it harder to take the movie away from him and, and edit it differently um, if everything. But yeah. He thinks every single image, even even those boring, obvious, he thinks every single image needs to look good. You can't have a plain, boring image. Everything has to look perfect. And that's, I mean, that's part of what is his style is. Not even just the specifics of it, like the, um, uh, like the later Steadicam shots that came to dominate his career or the split diopters. But for him... It can all be boiled down to everything needs to look good. <laughs> Even I've read specifically image. about his like split diopter shots that they came from budgetary constraints because he wanted to do. I, I read that he wanted to do deep focus in his early movies, mm-hmm. like John Frankenheimer does, but he couldn't afford to do it. Split diopter was a cheaper way of achieving everything and focus in the same shot. And then it just. Even when he started getting like slightly higher budgets, it became a defining feature of how he shot movies. Yeah, he was still doing he's still doing them in his most recent movies. I'm pretty sure I know there's some in Passion. I was pretty sure there's some in um his last movie, Domino. Yeah, I 
he talks about it in that movie too that the split diopter was like a a workaround because he couldn't like since he wasn't shooting on like a sound stage and with really wide angle lenses it was like impossible to achieve that depth of field Mm -hmm. that he wanted the movie to look like citizen kane and the split diopter came as like a workaround but then he just really enjoyed the like process of find like figuring out how to stitch them together and like the way it looked well and one thing i've always said about de palma is his um his work is always heightening the artificiality of mm-hmm. uh, of of film carry a little less so than most but one thing i like about the split diopter shot is it looks it it kind of pulls you out it draws your attention to the artificiality you can tell where that stitches we're not used to seeing images like that mm-hmm yeah, nothing like um, you're never seeing anything like that like in your life, where no. like something is at the same f- focus fifty feet away as right in front of you. Mm-hmm. That's how I see things. <laughs> I just focus both my eyes differently, like a, like, a, like a chameleon. Like a chameleon. <laughs> yeah, you got to train yourself. A lot of carry too is like so like gauzy and hazy looking. Mm-hmm. not really sure what he did to achieve that but like it that also like adds to the like heightened movie yeah there's this dream quality to it mm-hmm. and like you said he he, he heightens artificiality in, in most of his movies or all of it, it's kind of his thing uh mm-hmm. carrie especially in this stretch the beginning we're talking like for like i would say like the first hour is much is shot much more naturally than what would come to define I even mm-hmm. come to, I guess, because uh, Phantom of the Paradise is before this, which is much more leading into the artificiality. Uh, this movie kind of saves all of that for like the last act. Mm-hmm. And and so it draws you into this much more natural feeling world of characters that like you can buy into this reality of, oh, this is about a little a young, vulnerable woman who is being hurt at school uh, mm-hmm. and at home and actually basically everywhere. Uh, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's like it's like he holds back on those more stylistic elements of his filming, except for the split diopter, uh, so that it hits harder at the end, basically. Yeah, because the end, the last, the last half hour is like all stylization, it's like everything it is... that he does. <laughs> yeah. Um. So one thing I like about this movie is, um, when I think of horror movies, even movies back then, like. There's a few minor scares. You know, there's the psycho strings that uh, come in whenever she does one of he her crimes. For the most part, there's not that sense of dread that you get from a normal horror movie. Um, I didn't see either any of the remakes. I'm very curious how they handle this because I feel like an audience would normally be bored with that um, if they're coming into an ex- expect a horror movie. Because he holds back, for the most part, most of those horror elements besides the little psycho sting just to remind you, like, Oh, this is a horror movie, but there's no like escalating dread. Mm. Um, I mean, there's you know you, you see what they're planning, but the movie isn't the movie isn't trying. You you almost get lulled into the fantasy of what Carrie is experiencing, and you're like, oh, she gets to go to the prom. That's so sweet. Like, <laughs> I every time I watch it, I'm always like, oh, I don't want the I don't want the Carrie stuff to happen because I'm I'm really happy for her. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, this is like so in De Palma's wheelhouse of the like intermingling of like romance and sex and violence Mm -hmm. that like Mm -hmm. for it to shift from uh, like 
classical movie sweet romance mode straight into like everyone is dying mode i feel like is him in his bag mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and this is like an interesting one i haven't seen every De Palma. i've seen like a half dozen De Palma movies but i feel like out of the ones that i've seen this one because it has the mom character very much like literalizes that theme because the first thing we have the mom is her preaching uh to uh carrie saying to her or it's the second thing with the mom she gets home carrie gets home uh and the mom's just like hits her with a hits her with the bible mm-hmm. and then starts telling her like how eve uh eve was weak she felt a sin you, you only had a period because you sinned like you mm-hmm. you don't get a period unless you sinned so you had to have sinned even if in your mind you sinned like this idea of like sexual awakening is itself uh the devil's work at all like having mm-hmm. desire all of this stuff like it is it is putting those themes like the mom like functions to put those themes f- like front and center and that's ends up being with like the movie's about repression and like the mom is just like very much a literal uh way of introducing that theme the first exactly. sin the first sin is intercourse mm-hmm. she says that a bunch of times yeah. I, I wrote down good parenting uh for that scene. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i want to talk about the mom a little bit more because we had mentioned the scene where she's going to evangelize. I always feel bad. I, I don't know why. Maybe I shouldn't. But the um, the the neighbor, Sue's mom, who just wants to get rid of her, she's like, oh, here's five. I mean, $10 yeah. uh, to get rid of her. And I almost feel bad because you could tell how much this matters mm-hmm. to Carrie's mom. Uh, does she have a name? What is Carrie's Is it just Mrs. Mar- White? I think it's Mar- Margaret. Margaret. Margaret, yeah. Um, and she's played by the um, the amazing Piper Laurie, uh, who I actually realized this recently. Someone told me, and then I looked it up. I guess she thought that this was a comedy. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and so that's part of why she plays it so broad. She plays it like a ham. Yeah, she's hamming up. Which, as I said a little earlier, is funny to me because like, I knew people exactly like this. So even when she's hamming it up, she's still kind of tapping into something that is, I don't know, the character works really well. And, you know, even if she, you know, even if she's playing it differently than maybe should be intended, it fits just kind of the heightened atmosphere that DePaul was always going for anyways. Mm-hmm. It, it helps um, to, like, her parenting at home being as outwardly abusive as it is mm-hmm. does also help to bring those horror elements in where they're not in at the school stuff, right? Because a lot of this movie is built up. And when you get to the house, like there is this oppressive atmosphere, which is helped by the fact that she is going so big in her performance. I always think the the set design in there is interesting because it's just full of this like Catholic iconography and that um, the closet that she shoves Carrie (laughs) into. She has a glowing eye Jesus in there. Yeah, that very strange looking crucifix. It's one of the strangest crucifixes I've ever seen in my life. A little little (laughs) flashlight inside of it or something. Yeah, it's really... And later, you know, she ends up... The way that she dies ends up mirroring the way that that, that Jesus is kind of spread. Because I know that one one arm is raised higher than the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like exactly the same. chest. Yeah, all, yeah. Of the kni- all the knives are like in the exact same spots as the arrows mm-hmm. on the the doll. And it, it, I have never seen a crucifix with arrows in Jesus's chest. Is that a thing? Yeah, I've never seen that either. And I wonder if that was just 
her vision of Christianity, I think, is a little twisted. Yeah. Not even a little. It's very twisted. Even for like some of the, you know, some of the real hardliners, she goes pretty far with it, uh, you know, by modern standards, by the standards of even the 70s. And, you know, part of it is her own repression and that she just decided to go, you know, dive headfirst into it, uh, in, into her beliefs. And so, you know, things like that crucifix, seem, things like the house just being decked out in some of the weirdest, like, Christian iconography you've ever seen, uh, kind of helps shows, like, you know, her own her own headspace and her own uh, her own fractured vision of, of, of Christianity. She is like the 90s comic books version of Catholicism where she went uh, more extreme. Uh, this is this is. Yeah, her this, version is battle, of, this is my variant of the Jesus action figure. That's the battle hardened variant, the battle yeah, damage variant of having a bunch of pouches on a belt <laughs> is uh, that uh, that Jesus. Uh, well, you never see that Jesus's feet as well. <laughs> Rob Liefeld, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> got the cable of Jesus right there. I think <laughs> Carrie and her mom were just unfairly uh, persecuted as being the only two Southern people in the town. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the reasons why her mother, like them being Catholic, allegedly, is so weird to me. Is And again, I'm, I think that's, I mean, they're using a lot of Catholic imagery. Because she is full on Southern gospel. Like... Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I looked it up, and apparently, ten bucks and seventy six was like fifty bucks today. That lady gave her a lot of money. Man, wow, uh, that's more than I would give someone really to <laughs> Yeah, she should have been a little happier about it. Well, she wanted to spread the good word, and she wasn't allowed to. Yeah, okay, but now she Brandon. could buy like she could buy like you know, Hong for the Atari. <laughs> That's true. That's true. She, I, I, that, that's a woman who seems like she would love Pong. <laughs> I think everyone loved Pong back then. It had to. Could you imagine that there's an outtake of, uh, of Mrs. White, of Margaret, uh, just half an hour unbroken cut of her playing Pong. Her and Carrie, and Carrie keeps cheating with telekinesis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Makes, uh, uh, her mom's joystick, uh, Maybe turn too far right at one point. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was funny to like, you have King who's like the most New England guy ever. And like all of his stories are extremely New England and to like cast as the lead and actress with like an irrepressible Texas accent mm-hmm. <laughs> and just not address it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it creates, she ends up being this kind of, pastiche of like a whole bunch of different kinds of things especially mm-hmm. like within within christianity like the certain types that you see that it um i can never quite place like what i'm and i i, I kind of like that aspect of it. i don't even know how purposeful that was but like i can't place it it makes it hard for me to place it like within any one like type that i that i know of mm-hmm. uh my girlfriend brought up too while we were watching it that it seems kind of odd that Carrie wasn't just homeschooled. Yeah, that was another thing I was thinking while I was watching it was like, I mean, if this was today, she'd be homeschooled. Um, and I was curious, at, I, I should have looked it up. I was curious like how, I mean, I think homeschooling was still fairly 
maybe not uncommon at the time. Like I think it was happening. So yeah, I mean, she seems like, why would, I mean, you can't have the story without, so who cares? Yeah. Uh, but it is funny that, you know, she wants to shield her from the world and yet she is still <laughs> sending her to public, public school, school every day. <laughs> Maybe she's one of those kids that was homeschooled and went, Mom, I wanna go to I wanna go to high school for my last year. I wanna go, like you have to let me, and that's why everyone hates her. Because they can Mom, tell she's a little weird. I can tell you homeschool you're homeschooled. Energy. You got that all she does have a homeschool homeschool, homeschool energy. You can't wash that stink off. I was homeschooled for one year by my own uh, Mrs. White-esque mother, Ooh. and uh, I broke her. I was at third grade. <laughs> I would hide in the house for hours so I wouldn't have to do work, and the next year she sent me back to school. <laughs> uh, I had a friend who pulled that off. He was like one of my closest friends in elementary school. His parents put him in Catholic school for middle school, and then he came back for high school because he was like, I, he's like, I hate it. He's like, he, he, he convinced them because he hated Catholic school so much. Mm-hmm. He got to come back to public school and hang out with us. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Did you read, do you feel like read how like Spacek got the role? No. Uh, no her audition, I, I was reading about it. It was like really, it's really fascinating because she want the role, I guess, like transformed her career because she was obviously mm-hmm. working beforehand because she was like mid twenties. Um, but yeah, she, she had already done. Um, she had definitely done. That, uh, yeah. That, that mm-hmm. one, the yeah. uh, Malik movie. She wanted the role like really badly and she wasn't like, like she wasn't their top pick. I don't remember who the top pick mm-hmm. was, but she wanted it so much that she dropped another role that she had lined up. Uh, and then she like rubbed a bunch of Vaseline in her hair, didn't wash her face for a while and showed up in a sailor dress she had from when she was a kid. So she was wearing like old clothes and made herself look as bad as possible. And she was given the, like she was given the part. Like that's oh, it. Oh, that's amazing. She like, yeah, yeah I she know. went all out. She knew De Palma because she had worked as like a set decorator on Phantom of the Paradise because her husband is like an art department guy also. Yeah, he's why he he's why she auditioned. They um they did the auditions for this with the Star Wars auditions like him mm-hmm. and De Palma did is like a joint <laughs> audition. And so they were it's so seeing, funny. They were seeing performers, you know, I, I believe um uh carrie fisher tried out for tried out for carrie or mm-hmm. one of the roles in carrie and yeah another yeah, person they, were... they had on the running for leia also tried out for both roles at once mm-hmm. and it was i think it was the same audition for both oh that's gotta be whiplash <laughs> going from uh carrie to leia organa <laughs> how do i know that name i don't even like star wars what the fuck um i might want to curse on the show because i have cursed a lot yeah we so curse I... all the time I haven't okay, marked yeah. the show explicit, but we do curse all the time. Well, I don't know if we'll get in trouble for not marking people. it explicit. <laughs> this is the adult, the adult show. <laughs> the it's like a really long sequence of uh, the gym teacher making all of the girls go to gym detention. Oh yeah, detention is, is so goofy, so funny. <laughs> they play like Twin Peaks, like when. When like Twin Peaks goes goofy and they play really obvious goofy music, that's what mm-hmm. this movie does. It goes to like this is a goofy scene, so they play like goofy music that lines up with their exercise routines, and it's played up like it's like it's a summer camp movie, and you're watching the bad guys get punished. Yeah, it's I a know comedy it's, sequence. I know it's not what was playing, but I remember it being the Benny Hill music. <laughs> <laughs> it might as well be. Yeah, it's very silly. Like, it's that's the Bulk and Skull theme from Power Rangers. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of something I was talking about earlier about like 
how this movie is structured so weird is tonally, you know, I feel like a lot of horror, there's a very specific tone they keep throughout the movie. There's obviously some that, you know, most famously, um, recently barbarian, uh, kind of played with tone. Mm -hmm. Um, but you'll go, this goes really silly because there's this scene and then there is the scene where they're like getting ready for prom, the tuxedo like going to get their fitting. suits, their tuxedos. Yeah. And that that's really silly too. Crazy. Very funny. And there's just like a random, like fast forwarded bit in the middle of that. I mean, that's, I think, you know, I was talking about De Palma's love of um, artificiality. I think that was him trying to like remind you it's a movie where they just fat, like you said, they fast forward a, a whole stretch of dialogue in front yeah. of you. Like, and it's like Tommy and his two buddies who I don't think we've seen before. Mm-hmm. They're like just there for that scene. It's like the shows, yeah. it, the, the movie's doing in the detention sequence and in the tuxedo sequence, it's doing like teen comedy bits mm-hmm. with like, yeah, just like with character. Like it, it's, it's, it's like it's Wet Hot American Summer for a second. Yeah. <laughs> We're suddenly like, oh, here's this character who like he's with, he's been with us the whole time. I mean, n- Maybe not uh, to me, the audience, but uh, these are Tommy's two buddies. They're his two goofballs. Who, if the movie was about Tommy, we'd see them more. Yeah, that scene. So like, it's building. It's the, the scene is like building to a punchline because it's got Tommy trying on his tuxedo, and then one of the other guys trying on his, and then the third guy with his t-shirt tuxedo. I loved his t-shirt tuxedo. That's a, that's a cool guy. That's me. I don't want to wear a tux. The. Uh... The gym detention scene, too, it builds to a weird conclusion where, like, Nancy Allen is like, fuck this, I'm leaving, I hate the gym Mm. teacher. And the gym teacher's like, fine, you're banned from prom. And that makes her, for some reason, be like, I hate Carrie more now. Like, I don't really understand. It seems like very... It's like that she left left detention with five minutes left. It's like, really? You could have just done five more minutes Mm -hmm. of detention. But like, why don't you dump pig's blood on the PE teacher? What does you know? Carrie I have actually kind of get that. There's this like logic when you're a kid. The teacher's job is to like be a jerk. But who put me in this position? Uh, I was Carrie. And like, even though Carrie obviously didn't, it was her cruelty to Carrie. <laughs> She's still blaming Carrie mm-hmm. for this. <laughs> it is kind of Carrie's fault. <laughs> Plug it up, Carrie. Get it over with. <laughs> Yeesh. Yeah, I mean she's she's a she's also just like an asshole is her thing. Mm-hmm. Not Carrie, uh the 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 popular girl is an asshole. Yeah, Nancy so like, Allen. She's gonna I mean you can't pick the future on a, Mrs. De Palma. <laughs> really? And later ex Mrs. De Palma. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he was a wife guy for a while with Nancy mm-hmm, Allen. Yeah, he put her in a bunch of his movies. Yeah, if you um if if you're her, like you're if you're a bully, you pick on someone weaker than you and you can't pick on a PE teacher because she can stop from graduating. Mm-hmm. But you can pick on Carrie, who like everyone will laugh at if you pick on her. I guess. Yeah. So she leaves attention to go hang out with her hot boyfriend. Yeah, and there's a whole scene about how 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 hot he is. And he is really hot. He is like really hot. I kind of forget sometimes what a heartthrob De Palma. Uh, not De Palma. Mm. <laughs> De Palma too, kind of. You see De Palma with a beard and he's mm. young. Not bad. <laughs> um, I always what uh, what a heartthrob uh, Travolta was, mm. and. I mean, I feel weird saying because these are all high school characters, but they're yeah. all in their 20s when they're playing yeah. this. Um, but Travolta is so handsome in this movie. I mean, him it, and throughout the 70s up through, you know, blowout at the very least, he is a very attractive man. 
We talked I mean, about this that... in the Grease episode, but he had a presence at the time where the second he enters the screen of whatever movie, he mm-hmm. arrests the scene because, first of all, just very compelling and charismatic just naturally as a performer, but also just incredibly hot. It's relatively a small role compared to a lot of the other roles. I mean, of the two male lead characters in it, he's got a much smaller role than Tommy. But yeah, you're completely drawn to him. It just dominates any scene he's in. He's also well, playing really big, too, to be fair. Yeah. He is. <laughs> His whole thing, though, was just being a really hot guy. He was only kind of lo- later reevaluated so to be like a great actor. Yeah, like, we talked about this in the Grease episode, but like, yeah, at this point in time, he's not great actor Travolta, which I think would come a few years later. I think in Blowout, he's great. Yeah, I think that's uh, where it starts. Yeah. And this then, time, it's like, he's like just hunk. charismatic screen presence. And I love that his his first scene in this movie is just about how hot he is. They're in the car, and it's like hot chicks pull up and are like, hey, you're hot. And he's like, I know. And then his friends pull up and they're like, hey, you're hot. And he's like, I know. They like toss him the beer. He starts, it's, it's a common theme in this podcast, is drunk driving cinema. This movie gets added to that list. He smacks his girlfriend a bunch. Yes. Hot very... guy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, she, she did call, call him a dumb. dumb shit. A dumb shit. Yeah. In in her defense, he was being a dumb shit. He was being a dumb shit. He did spill beer on her. The mm-hmm. scene where she like ropes him into her plan is really funny because uh he like gets <laughs> she gets him to say yes by like giving him a blowjob. But Somehow, while she's doing it, she's also very clearly saying, oh, Billy. Like, I'm not really sure how she's talking while she's doing what she's doing down there. She's incredibly talented. She's a ventriloquist. (laughs) She's been practicing ventriloquism the whole time, so she's throwing her voice. That'd be such a good bit. Oh, that's I think that's a good reason to learn ventriloquism. Just bedroom Going down on someone and just... Yeah. <laughs> having that voice appear up top having a whole conversation with them imagine like uh do you think uh dunham does that jeff dunham yes oh. absolutely <laughs> when he's going down on his puppets he's, <laughs> he's going Go down on walter down. and he's doing uh <laughs> fucking the jalapeno on a he's stick Jose the from across the room <laughs> yeah probably that's probably what he does <laughs> i mean if you have that skill use it yeah. Now, if I do my impression of his Jose Alapino, it's like it's not racist when I do it. I'm just quoting, just quoting Jeff Dunham. Doesn't count. Oh, <laughs> speaking of comedians of that era and Carrie, did I miss here or does Travolta say "get her done" when they're getting the? He pig does. Blood? He does. My he does? when we were when I was watching it with my wife, she's like, "Is that where this comes from?" I'm like, "I don't think that's where this comes from." Though it would be very funny if a young impressionable. Whatever Larry the Carryable guy's real name is, is sitting there in his cutoffs and it's yeah. just like that. That's that's what's going to define me the rest of my life. <laughs> if he rips a big Travolta a... head. Yeah. He's like, like my cat. He only likes to palm on Travolta movies. If he ripped Gitter Dunn from Carrie, that's <laughs> fucking crazy. I mean, what else can we even trust him in anything anymore if he didn't come up with that? Tell me he's a fraud? They come up with his own catchphrase? Where the cable guy a fraud? You're saying that's not who he is? What? <laughs> Larry the Larry the cinema guy. I guess actually cable guy fits. Yeah, he just That's true. Yeah. yeah, he can't carry on cable. I guess it makes sense. Maybe all of his catchphrases are from cable movies. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> that Travolta introduction to is really funny because he just can't stop looking at Nancy Allen's boobs the whole time while he's driving. <laughs> no. The camera keeps like cutting back to it. I I he's love so it. Good in this. <laughs> she didn't just say Billy while she was going down him. She said Billy, I hate Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such good bedroom talk. Dude. Yeah, when she said when that comes out, when she says that, like it does cut to his face, right? Like, isn't he even like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and it leaves it hanging because, like, I thought because this scene is right after the scene where Tommy gets asked to take Carrie to the prom, uh, mm-hmm. and so in my head I'm like, oh, is she gonna ask? Is she asking Danny to take Carrie to the prom? Is that Danny. where this is leading? Are they both? Is this? A, is she gonna have two dates for the prom? Is that? Carrie's <laughs> gonna manage to get a classic Three's Company episode. Carrie. That is an interesting parallel that's happening where it's two the, the two leads besides Carrie, um, Carrie's friend and Carrie's antagonist, are both kind of getting their boyfriends, mm-hmm. who are kind of dumb guys, wrapped into these plans, mm-hmm. both involving Carrie. And yeah. like one thing I do like that the movie does is you don't really know what um what Sue's um, motives are like yeah. you can kind of like discern it but like when i was watching with my wife adrian during it was you know like oh i don't i don't trust her and i i you know in, in my head you're always like well yeah no she's the good one and nancy allen's the bad one and the movie is kind of you don't really get a good sense of what her role is until you see her at prom later mm. wanting to stop the eventual you know Pig blood bath. So. Yeah, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time, so I did not remember the beats. I remembered mm-hmm. Carrie has telekinesis. Uh, she gets covered in blood. Evil mom prom. Uh, I didn't remember like details. So like I was thinking at this point in time, like oh Sue and um, I don't know the evil one are both scheming against Carrie. Nancy Allen. I don't know the character's uh, name. I can both, look it up. Real I'm quick. like, yeah, they're both scheming against Carrie. That's what's happening. I, we don't know what their angles are yet, but we know that they're both scheming. Um, Chris. Her name is Chris. Oh it's yeah, like Her- right. Harrigan. I feel like the um, teacher called her by a last Harginson. name. Harginson. Harginson. But yeah, like like you said, they keep it up in the air, so you don't know that. Like they they uh, they parallel those so that you like suspect Sue. You think like, oh, she's mm-hmm. she's evil too. She's she's up to no good. And you know, the movie, in case you even thought that Sue was being nice, the movie even has the gym teacher, you know, mm-hmm. even she thinks like, well, what are you up to? Why are you doing this? And Travolta really goes wild on a pig with a sledgehammer. That scene also starts okay. with comedy bits when they're walking outside of the pig mm-hmm. farm and the dudes are just cracking wise about the pigs that were painted. Mm-hmm. It's just oh, it's yeah. they're they're goofy like cartoon characters from like a teen sitcom basically. They are at uh, what, what was that place? Uh, Bates packing because mm-hmm. I guess the town is Bates, which I believe is an a invention of De Palma's. I think that was him. You know, his homage to Psycho is Bates High School. Bates, uh... you know, Bates packing. Because uh, I, I I double checked at one point and I don't believe that's the name of the town. And the if I mean if I'm wrong, you know. Don't correct me, anyone. Do not at, don't at me. <laughs> but uh, I believe that's his, you know, his homage to to uh, to Hitchcock. It makes sense because he does the psycho sting, like you said before, mm-hmm. like all throughout the movie. Yeah, he's got the um, the composer P- Pino Donaggio bringing that in a lot, and Pino Donaggio is doing kind of a um, 
a hammy Bernard Herrmann, uh, Hitchcock's mm-hmm. uh, composer. Uh, this movie very much, uh, well, a lot of De Palma, it, he pulls from Hitchcock in his career. Mm-hmm. This movie, yeah, obviously, very, feels very Hitchcockian, especially mm-hmm. because it's without a lot of the stylistic notes that would define um, De Palma's yeah, that's Interesting thing, because usually when De Palma is referencing Hitchcock, it's a much more overt way. Like, Mm -hmm. he likes to basically do reworking, like, weird kind of Mm -hmm. heightened artificial, you know, and Hitchcock movies were already kind of artificial feeling. But he heightens the artificiality of Hitchcock plots to their breaking point and way past that. Here he's not using a Hitchcock plot. He's using, you know, he's using Stephen King's story. Um... And this is probably of, of his like thrillers of his um, movies drawing from Hitchcock. This is probably the one with one of the only ones where he's not using an actual Hitchcock plot to do that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because like we look at uh, like you were saying, look at specifically like something like Blowout, which is like mm-hmm. or uh, even Body Double, which is like, oh, th- those are like rear window with mm-hmm. uh but like with a different story and like heightened style as stylization. And this one, it's, it's, exactly. it's a Hitchcock riff with an original, well, not an original story, but it's not a Hitchcock story that he's drawing from directly, mm-hmm. but without the heightened stylization. I feel like all I have written down in my notes are just Travolta bits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like killing the pig. I forgot they killed a pig in this movie. Well, he also, when they're like setting up the blood, he does like a weird minstrel voice. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. When like, cause, uh, uh, Nancy Allen's character is uh, bossing him around, and so yeah, he does that like minstrel. The minstrel voice is kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. I don't but it also voice. like reads as something that like a teenager would do. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It probably even I think at that time. I mean, everyone knew that stuff was bad, but I think. Uh, I think at that time, uh, people were probably because I've seen stuff like that in other movies before too from 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 back then. Yeah, um, we didn't have the same uh, kind of cultural awareness of that of that kind of thing that we do now. To the, or at least we don't we don't treat it the same way as we do now. Yeah. Um, in the lead up to the prom, you know, like I guess the day or two before. I, I'm I'm curious how much improvisation was in these in some of these scenes because there's a scene with one of Travolta's buddies asking to take the uh, he's like hey I want to help out with prom let me uh, let me count the ballots <laughs> and like the scene feels there's a few scenes like that that feel improvised yeah. which is not I, something I associate with the well you know what actually that's not true it's um, before De Palma became a director of thrillers. He had there were these kind of like guerrilla comedies that he was doing in the late sixties, early seventies, um, that kind of have that are very improvised and kind of have this. Um, there's like a little bit Godardian feel to them that very that looseness that you don't really associate with you know what De Palma became. Um, but yeah, there's scenes that like if I have to guess, they're probably improvised, and that's one of them where he just in the dumbest way possible talks his way into being able to count the votes mm-hmm. in it's the most awesome. suspicious He's a smooth way I've ever seen. Yeah. It's... Like if someone talked to me like that, it's like, are you going to dump pig's blood on a girl? Like, why do you want this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The whole time leading up to the prom too, like 
it's funny carrie like reads some books on miracles or whatever from the library and then just like asserts herself as boss of the house mm-hmm. i have yeah. telekinesis mom yeah she like flips a switch and i'm in charge no now get on that bed <laughs> i mean what are you gonna do if your kid is telekinesis i'm not doing shit oh yeah i'm scared well you know she did she did plan things she would do later but <laughs> mm. oh her mom you know at that point in time yeah yeah she wasn't reaction. prepared for that yeah. oh yeah uh, the next logical reaction was then to get the knives out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. She says something really weird. Carrie, like, makes a dress for herself and puts it on. And she says, like, everyone's going to see your dirty pillows. Yeah, yes! yeah. yeah. What the that, fuck? That, 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 that is a euphemism. That's a euphemism that I think has kind of disappeared. But that was one that, you know, that's that's kind of a well, that's a known one. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> it I, just... I thought it was like an invention of the movie. It feels weird coming from her, though. It does feel like one like, of those phrases that King invents. I was like, what right? the like, fuck? The, yeah. <laughs> They're called Brass Mama. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie is... Uh, that is a revealing dress. Yeah. That is a very revealing dress. Like I guess slip. she made it herself. It's not um, a very prom-y dress. I didn't go to prom, no. but I've seen prom dresses. I was in high school. Uh, that didn't look like... That's not, not a very prom-y dress. In my no, you can kind of see her breasts right through them. Like, you can yeah. see her nipples yeah. right through them. Like, it was... It's like a slip. It's like some kind of undergarment you would wear under yeah. your yeah. It, yeah, it looks like you... Yeah, it looks like a, a nightie. Wear that to bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, she looks great, though. Yeah, not well, you know... Say. She does look amazing in that movie. Like when when they get her in the dress, like I mean, she it's not like she looks she never looks ugly throughout the movie, but like they they try and keep her looking kind of plain. Mm-hmm. And she really is she's really really pretty when um mm-hmm. when she's all decked out for the prom. The, it's such a so the way that wild. she like practices makeup when she goes to the mall and just starts trying all the lipstick. <laughs> they let you do that? That feels like you're not supposed to do that. You know, there's samples there's sample things, but not to that extent. Yeah. It doesn't look like she's doing samples. She's going up to a display case and just taking stuff off and going, I'm using this. Well, the whole time, there's someone like deep in the background looking at her like, what the fuck? Yeah, she's just staring at her like <laughs> yeah. as Carrie's doing that. She's treating her like the, like the fucking free samples at Costco. Yeah. What she's, doing. Mm-hmm. she's eating all the lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> Goes home like, I don't, even, I don't even have to buy a lunch. I'm already full on all the lipstick I hate. <laughs> That's why she keeps wiping her lips. She's not wiping her lips. She's, she's like doing the thing people do at movies where they go, um, num, num, and they're very, after done eating, <laughs> wipe all the crumbs off. She's giving a really strange performance. It's really like hard to pin down what is going on with Carrie. Like, I really like what Sissy Spacek is doing mm-hmm. in this movie. She's yeah. very vulnerable. It's like the main word I would use to describe her the whole movie. Vulnerable. She, there's this, there's this, sh- I don't even want to call it shyness because, like, she can assert herself when she wants to, but there's this. She's out of step with everyone else. Mm. She feels like she's in a different world than the rest of them. Um, yeah, no, SpaceX is phenomenal in this. It's, I mean, you can see why this, you know, kind of made her, you know, this is maybe still arguably her most iconic movie like when people think of sissy space like it's probably this one 
or coal um, miner's daughter. Yeah, I was just gonna say those two. I think are the two yeah. where like you know no one's uh, name dropping uh, Badlands unless they've spent too many time. You know, unless they're unless they're dorks. I'm, yeah, I mean, uh, I was gonna say that's the first one that comes to my mind, but <laughs> that's just like one of my favorite movies. And she does the voiceover for the whole thing, so it feels like really her her movie mm-hmm. Badlands. She's also oh yeah, she's great in that and. Yeah, you can see, like, it's so weird. And I haven't seen the remakes, but, like, you know, they had Chloe Grace Moritz in the um, in the most recent remake. And I just can't imagine. You got... I can't imagine anyone else in that role who isn't just, like, a... Because Sissy Spacek always comes off a little, a little weird in a yeah, good way. Yeah, she like, has, like, an ethereal quality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's and like a ghost or something it's hard to imagine anyone else being able to do that to that degree especially anyone who is you know kind of a i don't know if i would call chloe grace more it's a star but you know she's she's got some of those qualities and yeah there's just something about about sissy spacek whether it's that role or or in her others or um she's in a great i think it's her in a great altman movie called three women I mm-hmm. believe she's in that. Yeah, she's she also is. kind of doing something similar there too. She one of the three women. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She's woman number two, I think. So they're they're not numbered. <laughs> <laughs> that should be their only names in that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the uh, the the thing from uh, Canada had thing one, thing two, woman one, woman two. <laughs> <laughs> so De Palma is like for him relatively restrained. I feel like until we get to the prom, and then he just starts showing out there's like, colors oh, all over the place it's beautiful the prom is beautiful it's it's magical it's the way carrie sees mm-hmm. it i think he goes in Over a wonder from the establishing shot of the prom to uh carrie and tommy like walking in that just like really flows throughout the space yeah it's like section. crazy looking um and even like you know, when I think of the, that scene, I, I do primarily think of, you know, the, the shots that trace the rope or the, the shot that mm-hmm. is the lead up to the um, to the, 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 the bucket dropping. But there's that amazing shot of uh, Carrie and Tommy when they're dancing. And you mm-hmm. can tell that Tommy has... I don't know if they're romantic feelings, but he has gained some type of feelings for Respect Carrie. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And there's that amazing low angle... 360 degree shot mm-hmm. where the where they're turning and then the camera is turning in the opposite direction uh, mm-hmm. from them and it's one of the most beautiful shots of De Palma's career and yeah. it's like sandwiched between these really amazing really complicated shots um that you know that's one thing De Palma is really good at is giving you this amazing sense of geography which is what those other shots are there to do you know, he makes sure you know where everything is in relation to it, where the characters are in relation to these things, where it's it's amazing filmmaking. You know, that, that spin is incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. I wrote down, spin, wee, is my note <laughs> for that scene. Yeah. Because uh, that's when, how I felt makes, watching it. It makes it feel like when they do kiss that they're like flying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a beautiful shot. Like it's genuinely like, not even just like, good on a technical level it is a it is a gorgeous shot to look at it's yeah it's 
sorry, I'm I'm just kind of still <laughs> bowled over by it. I've seen this movie a ton, and every time I'm still like, oh man, that shot. <laughs> it's it's like a dream. There, there's a dreamlike quality to mm-hmm. all of prom. Uh, it's it's the second like his more heightened filmmaking is coming in, and it's it's an it's a stunning sequence, and it brings you into this headspace of Carrie being wowed by this the fact that you've been brought into this world uh, that you of, of social life that you didn't know because you were a loner, and it, there's like a magical quality to that night that the gym teacher comes up to her and asks her like prom to me was magical, it's like that for you, and I think that's what we're getting from Depom with filmmaking is this mm-hmm. this prom is is this magical event. This, this, uh, and, and in real life, I think for people as well, prom is kind of like a, it's sort of a coming of age thing, right? I mean, it's your last time mm-hmm. you're coming out of, you're coming out of high school, you're going into the world. It is like a big moment in your life before you go to adulthood. And, and I think that's like what we're getting here for Carrie is like, it's a huge moment in her life. It is this turning point, just like puberty is, uh, for her. And this movie's a lot about that, like changeover into adult lost innocence. And I think like prom is this moment in, in a life where like, innocence uh heightens or like there's there's a magical quality of like that last moment of innocence before you're thrust out into the world and that's what we're getting out of prom here is this like beautiful dreamlike uh uh wonderland for her yeah for totally not the whole time because something happens. well it becomes a nightmare it goes from the dream to the nightmare <laughs> and not just her nightmare everyone's nightmare yeah yeah i like the the shot or like the series of shots, it's like tracing the bucket to the rope. I like the payoff at the end. You don't actually see Nancy Allen, but it's like a shadow of hands gripping the rope. Oh yeah, she's a silhouette holding the yeah. rope. It looks really cool. <laughs> While like Sue is investigating and trying to figure out what's going on the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's our first hint I that love... Sue's like a good person. Yeah, I love Sue trying to get to the bottom of that. Mm-hmm. And then as she gets to the bottom of it, she gets caught by the gym teacher. Mm-hmm. The two allies of Carrie go at war with each other as the gym teacher throws uh, her I mean, shoe out. The gym teacher is just very violent. She slaps Carrie. She slaps Nancy Allen at the gym detention, and then she like tackles Sue at the prom. She gets yeah, she physical with her students. She's one of those teachers that's just ready to go. She's just like can't <laughs> wait for a student to get out of line. She's ready to throw hands at any moment. <laughs> That's actually why she became a teacher. Just an excuse to hit kids in the 70s. That's why she's a gym teacher, specifically. More excuse. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess should we talk about that? Should we get to the big set piece now? The big... Or is there anything we wanted to get to in the prom before before it, it, it goes crazy? Oh, <laughs> well, I mean... Yeah, I don't think there's... Carrie and Tommy win prom king and queen. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're Very the cute. hottest people there. Meanwhile, you've got those uh, one of Travolta's friends and one of Nancy Allen's friends. Just <laughs> their little bit is so good. Of it's it's Fred. I, Fred, I wrote down his name is Freddie because he's the fast talker. I found I found yeah. his scene of fast talking his way into counting the votes. Very endearing. I wrote down <laughs> his name. Uh, he carries. He's like carries the vo- votes over to like Nancy Allen's friend, and they like kiss, and he drops them behind her so she can kick them. It's a it's a very elaborate. They're like doing yeah. a heist, basically a reverse heist. <laughs> it's like uh, in a, in a different kind of movie, we would get their planning sequence, and they you'd have the mm-hmm. you'd have the narration, and it would be Nancy Allen like going over the plan, and we cut to them doing it at prom. It's <laughs> Guy Ritchie's carry. Yeah. <laughs> they all have their watches like synchronized. <laughs> And yeah, and then you've got Travolta and um, 
Nancy Allen, who I believe neither are supposed to be there because they don't have... Well, Nancy Allen's banned and Tra- yeah. Travolta's date is banned, so he can't be there. They they make very clear you're not supposed to be there if you don't have a date. Yeah, that's true. For what? I wonder if that used to be a thing. I, I mean, obviously, well, I never had normal proms or homecomings. They didn't allow dancing at my school. Uh, what the fuck? You went to a footloose <laughs> school? I went to a footloose. Yeah, I mean, I'm not joking when I told you I was raised kind of like Carrie. I went to an evangelical high school. No, we... For, we did have homecoming and prom. They were at dinner. We had a Christian comedian come a couple times to uh, entertain us. God, that Ooh. sounds awful. <laughs> was he funny? Um, you know, I actually thought he was kind of funny at the time. I have to imagine if I tried to listen <laughs> to any of that now, I'd want to die. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, so I never, I mean, I went to a public school one once, but... For the most part, yeah, my school never had them, so like I don't know, I don't know if no. that's normal or not. You were definitely, <laughs> I mean, in my school, you were definitely allowed to go to prom without a date. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, people know. would go with like friends and stuff, right? Isn't that what happened? Well, I mean, I can't think like, of anyone that went by themselves. I think that would have just been kind of like a loser move, but like you yeah, were allowed to if you wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Like I think I, yeah, you could go to prom by yourself. I chose not to go. I went, instead I went to, at my school the move was if you didn't want to go to prom or didn't have a date, you just went to after prom instead to go okay. hang out with everyone afterward. Uh, That was cool. <laughs> but, uh, so I went to after prom. We didn't go to prom though. So yeah, I think you could have gone. It's a little weird for a school to be like, no. Only if you pair it up. We want to make sure that you have something yeah. to do after the night's over. High school prom is like the lobster. <laughs> <laughs> it's that school is basically begging these students to fuck. It's like that's what's going on with that prom. It's the <laughs> only reason you'd require dates at prom. Yeah, they're trying you know, to, pair trying to get the uh, premarital sex, uh, yeah. early pregnancy, so they have more students later. I, yeah, I just, I just caught it. It's, it's, yeah, we were at where we were at war with Russia, and we needed to the Soviet <laughs> Union, and we needed to increase the U.S. population <laughs> to ensure our future. Can't let those Ruskies uh, outnumber us. Sadly, the Kerry High School, it, it, it did get set back in its quota when everyone died. Yeah. <laughs> Not everyone. Sue, Sue's still there. Sue. He's fine. And, well, I get... Nancy Allen and John Travolta don't die with everyone else. They get their own separate death. No, they get their own very special death. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they we get to it. The carry happens. And this is the, the carry thing. The thing of the movie is mm-hmm. last 20 minutes-ish. They drop the blood on Carrie and she gets increasingly covered with blood as the scene goes on. Yeah. So I know because when she would dropped on her the the first one, she took a couple splashes and I was like, that's a lot less blood than I remember from Carrie. I remember her being soaked. And just as the scene goes on, she just just more blood. It happens like it's just a bottomless bucket. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like, you know, that's like the, the, the devil is taking over her and she's getting it's, more and more covered. It's the reverse of that scene from um, uh, one of the night, one of the nightmare on Elm streets with the blood that like blows up out of the, uh, yeah. out of the bed. Oh, that's the first, like, one. Just the first, one. first one. Yeah. I yeah. knew it was one of the two. That's Johnny uh, Depp's death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. it's just this endless, <laughs> this endless flood of blood just covering her. I was thinking that too. Cause like when it falls, 
and it like shows her getting covered with blood i was like oh that's not even that bad and then they cut away and cut back and she's like completely head to toe covered in blood it's almost like the the blood works as like it's a visual metaphor for her like Mm -hmm. increased anger right it's a it's her super meter filling up in a video game yeah (laughs) she's like the hulk also i like when the bucket falls the blood hits her and then the bucket conks uh tommy on the head like a cartoon it goes boink and hits the ground yeah well i thought maybe because he he does get like wrecked in the head by the bucket i was thinking maybe that some of the blood was just like spraying out of his head onto <laughs> i always think that scene's interesting because so you've got that he he then switches to her you know her pov of the crowd and there's that like kaleidoscope looking mm-hmm. shot yeah. of everyone laughing at her and what i think is interesting is i don't think everyone is laughing at her but he plays up both the fact that there are actual people laughing at her and then her i guess i don't feel like it is the movie is directly saying that like the gym teacher is even laughing because she's being shown laugh but that that is so so heightened and so Mm -hmm. strange looking but that's how carrie's feeling it is you know her mom earlier in the movie said everyone's gonna laugh at you and this moment of what is probably a bunch of students laughing at her is just heightened to this degree where everyone is just taking to, to her taking part in her misery. So that was my read on it too. Cause the shot before the kaleidoscope only maybe most of the crowd is like 90% of the crowd is staring in like shock. Mm-hmm. And there's a, I think there's like one or a couple students that are laughing Then they go to kaleidoscope and it's, she sees people that are clearly weren't laughing in the previous shot are cracking up. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like, it's what she sees. She's, it's her um, self-consciousness. She She's yeah. used to being bullied and she's projecting that onto the scene. Um, but what's what I thought was unique to that, because uh, I was watching this uh, on my setup. I have a 5.1 setup. And and when she does that, uh, her mo- she hears her mom, everyone's going to laugh at you, play over and mm-hmm. over. And they put that in the surround and it keeps changing what channel it comes out of. Oh, that's so, so cool. In that scene, it's like, oh, that's on my back left. It's on my back right now. It, it moves around. Uh, mm-hmm. And that effect is really effective being like, well, this, this is what Carrie's hearing. She's every, everything around her. She's hearing her mom mm-hmm. uh, uh, let her know that people are laughing at her. It's a very, it's a very effective, a uh, bit of sound mm-hmm. design. Yeah. I like too, that like, even though not everyone's laughing at her, like the whole town is implicated in like allowing for this circumstance to happen, mm-hmm. like where she mm-hmm. could be humiliated like that. And like, no one can be allowed to escape because they're all participating in this society that's been so mean to her for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all know how her mother treats her and and the students. How, how, yeah, and how she lives, and none of them really care. Uh, a couple care, but for the most part, you know, everyone everyone gets it. Anyone, you know, with the exception of the people who get out early. Um, either because they're thrown out or because they sneak out. Um, I mean, pretty much no one gets out of that alive. Even like, again, I think it's a great choice. And I'm guessing this is in the book as well. I, I actually, I, I mean, I used to be a big Stephen. I still like him. But I just don't read him as much anymore. That's the only Stephen King book I've never been able to finish. I remember trying to read it in high school and not being able to get through it. Um, so I don't know if it's in the book. Um, but I mean, that's something I like about that choice of like, you know, uh, Tommy, who has been nothing but good to her, mm. 
I don't think we directly see his death, but I mean, he he's dead. She yeah, locks the doors and burns everyone alive. So. Yeah. 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 And uh, the gym teacher who has been on her side throughout the movie and just had that really touching moment for she gets a, we yeah. definitely see her death and God. it's a really awful one yeah and i had it in my head that she was like lighting people on fire with her mind but that doesn't that doesn't happen the fires start because of like the hose that she's got on everyone mm-hmm. yeah because what that happens is wild <laughs> after the kaleidoscope it goes De Palma mode. It goes split screen. Suddenly uh-huh. she starts, he breaks out a fire hose or spraying people. Oh my God. That was the moment I was like, okay, I'm all like, it's late in the movie. I'm like, I'm all in on Carrie. Uh, he, he did it. He brought out his bag of tricks and this is what I love. Uh, that scene is so maximalist and I fucking love it so much. It is awesome. It is cool as hell. It, it's horrific. It's cool as hell though. It, I mean, he definitely makes up for, like, you you see at that moment why like he saved all i mean besides the little bits that we get you know in the lead up he saves everything for that Mm -hmm. and it makes it hit so much harder than it would otherwise mm -hmm. and it's horrifying like you're just watching kids you know screaming trying Mm -hmm. to get out unable to get out principal was it's the principal and the english teacher get electrocuted yeah, yeah, they're both trying to grab the microphone to, I guess, calm people down, yeah. and the water hits it, and they just, yeah, they get fried. Yeah, like yeah. cartoon characters. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing, because, like, that's a very, like, if you spray, oh, I sprayed water at a microphone and it, it made you get electrocuted, is a very, like, it, that's a very Looney Tunes, like, almost, they should be uh, blinking and they should be blue and you could see their skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> like the Home Alone 2 guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a cool little uh, thing when she flips uh, Travolta and Nancy Allen's car where, like, the frame spins inside of the frame. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah. <laughs> he just, like, flips the image around a bunch of times. Yeah, because I've seen in years since, I think... Um, um, what's what's it? that uh, The remake of Let the Right One In. Mm-hmm. Um let me in. Yeah, let me in. I remember the director doing this cool shot where you like see the you know as it's like tum- as the car is tumbling and kind of crushing in on them. Obviously, I don't think the technology was all there, so that's a really neat way of like and a, like we said about diploma, like it makes it very. It's not trying to hide what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's no getting around the fact that he's just like microsoft powerpoint flipping the like spinning the image around yeah but it like cool, it doesn't though. look bad it looks cool her face the look that she has on her face in the school and even at, during that scene really up until the point that she has gone home she is terrifying to look at it is just she's not there anymore all that's there is just pure rage her gigantic like, eyeballs. Yeah, it's this amazing bit of acting where she's not really doing that much, but she's doing just enough, looks just off enough that it's one of the scariest things I've ever seen. <laughs> Are you doing the eyeballs right now? <laughs> yeah, is it working? Are you guys? Uh, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. I mean, I really the podcast. I think my house is catching on fire. <laughs> Oh, I'm electrocuted with my mic now. <laughs> uh, while she was reading my telekinesis, 
uh, while she was reading about telekinesis and then like using it on everybody, I kept thinking about um, the Tenacious D song Wonder Boy over and over. Because there's the line in that, that song one. where he just says, that's Wonder telekinesis, Boy. Kyle. <laughs> and that just played in my head throughout this movie. <laughs> and I could not stop thinking about Jack Black's read of that's telekinesis, Kyle, over and over while watching this movie. It's levitation, Holmes. How about the power to move you? Yeah, great song. <sighs> I used to listen to so much Tenacious D in high school. If this was about my high school experience and getting bullied, it would have a lot of Tenacious D on the soundtrack. <laughs> but yeah, that whole section is it's it's thrilling to watch. It's mm-hmm. very, very like horrifying to watch. And again, you're watching kids burn alive. like Which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what we all came here for. Um, her with that 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 scene, and you already mentioned it once, Charlie. But like when she's walking home, and you see the 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 villains of the movie, the actual villains, uh, Nancy Allen and Travolta, just drive at her. Just it's a repetition of what she does to that kid. Oh, it's like kind of mirroring that moment yeah. from earlier in the film. But instead of, you know, making that kid, you know, eat grass, um, she doesn't just flip the car. Like, it seems like part of what she, like, I don't think the car explodes just because it flips. Like, it's, oh, she gets them. <laughs> it explodes like it's been, like, bombed. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. And you're, honestly, I'm pretty glad for it. They deserve it. Uh, die, Nancy Allen, die. <laughs> we know that Travolta survives, though, because he does reappear in Greece a few years later. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he was mostly fine. He had to had to transfer schools. Transfer schools, change his name to Danny Zuko. <laughs> That's why he he took the name Zuko, you know, like uh mm-hmm. the kid in Avatar last airbender. The fire came out of the fire. Um and yeah, and, she and then go- she gets home. She does the craziest mm-hmm. thing she does in the whole movie, which is that she's covered in blood head to toe, and she takes a bath. Yeah, that I was like you, there's a shower in there. You don't have what to the sit hell in are you blood doing? Water. At least take two baths. At least clear out the tub. Take your first bath. Clear out the tub. Wash the tub. Put clean water back in. Rinse yourself off again. If you have to go bath mode, at least take she's, two baths. She's pretty squeaky clean by the end of it. That's movie magic, baby. Well, it's disgusting. De Palma already had one sissy space shower. That's why her mom scene. stabbed her. You're, you're disgusting. You didn't clean all the blood off. You didn't clean all the blood properly. How many times have I told you, if you're covered in blood, you take a shower, Carrie. <laughs> De Palma just thought a second sissy spacex shower scene would be gratuitous too much. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he he used up all his shots he had in mind for her body in the first one. So he's like, well, yeah. cover it with it's water this time. I don't, I don't have anything else. Dirty bath. Disgusting. I do get okay. So cinematically, though, it's kind of it's this come down for what's happened, mm-hmm. and the movie is kind of lulling you into. I mean, you saw her mother standing behind the Very doorway, creepy. yeah. But she is the the bath is symbolizing this kind of calming for her. She herself is kind of becoming Carrie again. Mm-hmm. the The rage has disappeared, mm-hmm. and she's slowly kind of coming back into ba- it. Baths are calming. Yeah. Yeah. She's got her spaghetti and milk, uh, like the gummo kid. <laughs> bathtub. But well, what's crazy about the mom is the mom hides behind the bathroom door like she's going to come out and spook her. 
But then she doesn't. She just walks out and goes, hey, Carrie, like normal. And it's like, dude, she's like if you're, was she just hiding behind the door for fun? Like she didn't have a plan? Like you, you didn't hide behind the door so you could surprise her. You just hid behind the door. Yeah, she doesn't even have, because she has the the the, uh, the the knife hidden somewhere. Yeah, away from, away where, from where the door is, yeah. And she's standing there for like the whole time she's taking the bath. She's doing bits, I guess. I thought she was kind of trying to stab her. I guess that maybe that's like a, you know, it's like a psycho fake out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was, I, I had forgotten, even though I had seen, I've rewatched the movie not that long ago before this. And I was expecting her to come out and just start stabbing. Mm-hmm. Even though no, she's just planning. She's got to give her whole like monologue about Carrie's dad first. Mm-hmm. And then Carrie is like, hug me mom i'm like you know she's crazy you don't hug her that's the thing you think she's the devil that scene makes perfect sense to me though because like she's been raised this is the only person she gets love from yeah yeah she's insane and she's abusive but even in this moment where everything has you know as, as far as carrie feels everything has come true as far as what her mom warned her of she's like i'm sorry i messed up Please just like hold me, hug me, um, and then it becomes nighttime. Is it nighttime or knife time? Knife time, okay. knife time. It, it is nighttime as well. It's both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he doesn't do a good job with the knife, though. No, no. You got to get him. If you're fighting a psychic, you got to get him in one go. Yeah. Got him in the heart, the head. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? If you're coming for the king, you best not miss. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Carrie said. <laughs> that i mean i guess we can i mean you already mentioned her talking and it, that is i think an important scene and, and it, it it kind of explains where her mom's the worldview of carrie's mom mm-hmm. you know what happened she clearly wasn't always like this there was something about like getting pregnant that just and having a baby that just made her go nuts in the way go, she got pregnant the way she tells that story it does sound like it was marital rape yeah yeah exactly and her reaction to that is to just dive head first into religion and, and anti-sex as well and that's where you get the sense of like this is why she didn't tell carrie about puberty mm-hmm. or sex or anything this is why she taught her that like sex is a sin always is because of the horrible experience that she had and that's what carrie came out of that experience carrie represents came that out daughter, i guess of, mm-hmm. um but then when she stabs carrie and Carrie kind of flipping back into, you know, just pure instinct, just crucifying her her mother to the uh, to the parts of the wall. Yeah, she stigmatizes her. Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty terrifying. It's brutal. <laughs> she gets like what eleven knives in her. It's it's the most brutal death in the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, I a car blowing up is pretty crazy, heart. but yeah, yeah. I think yeah, she gets a potato not, peeler to the heart. Yeah, she's got like bread knives in her. It's not just like regular knives. She's stabbing her with like everything in the kitchen. Anything that can stab will stab. <laughs> then her house goes to hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what my understanding is that she's also like psychically tearing down the house. Is that what's going on? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how I've always read it is like her powers are just out of control. And okay. so... Yeah, it's kind of pulling it all in on them. My, my read of it, to. I guess my read of it is like that, and I think like what triggers it is she kills her mom and then has such 
regret about what she did, not just at school, but probably mm-hmm. in particular what she did to her mom. Because like you said, yeah, even though her mom's crazy. She her mom pretty quickly. Yeah, her mom's crazy and abusive, but her mom is also the only place she ever got love. So there is some connection mm-hmm. there as well still. So you can tell like there's immediate regret when she's like the anger. She kills her mom. Anger subsides. She immediately gets her mom down and pulls her into her safe space, which is her little abuse closet. It's so uh, sad. And while the house and I think, yeah, I think she basically like buries herself as a as a punishment for her sin is how I read mm-hmm. it. Which is not the ending of the book. I guess De Palma came up with that. I was reading of the house collapsing. Yeah. In the book, Carrie just like dies. The mom dies like I think she has like a heart attack or something. Her heart stops or something like that. Uh, in um, in in the book, the house does not get buried and collapse. I guess De Palma, when he was like reading the story, was like, "This is the big scene." This is, I'm quoting him. This is the big scene. Carrie looks at her mother and she clutches her chest. I don't think so. <laughs> so he was like, "We got to rewrite it." And he's like, "We need a big <laughs> ending," which is why the Come house collapses. And to be fair, I think on a literary level, that ending probably does work. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's ways to make that emotionally poignant in a way that I think is harder to do on film. And so, yeah, De Palma, you know, De Palma visualizes what he, he doesn't have the power of the written word that King would have had. And so he's like, well, OK, let's let's translate that to, to cinema to to the big ending that we're all kind of expecting here. And, and it works. Like you said, it, film is a visual medium and De Palma is an extremely visual artist. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's very much like when I, when I read that that was his decision, that ending was like, he's, we need to rewrite it to something visual. It's like, of course, De Palma is the one who was like, we need to make the big ending, which I think I love. I love the house. Collapsing. It's great. It's a great visual. And then we pick up and there's uh there's Sue who is, you have this voiceover of the mother saying like, well, you know, at her age, she should get over it. The doctor said yeah. that doctor is lying. That kid is like 16. And the film makes it very clear that she like, mm-hmm. you know, I know people don't like, you know, people always complain about fake out endings. I don't know if they've ever complained about the ending to this, but I mean, there is like a, Oh, this is a dream fake out ending, but it, I mean, it symbolizes, just this is stuck with her mm-hmm. she is haunted by this and even in her dream even after what carrie has done like she's trying to have this tender moment but she can't she can't hurt the only memory she can have of carrie now is one of one of horror mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i don't love the ending like yeah i just don't really love this movie that's been like all about carrie going out on on Sue, who isn't really like, I mean, she's one of the main characters, but isn't nearly as like fleshed out as, uh, do you, I mean, do you think the ending would have worked better if it's just the house going down? I don't know. Cause yeah. Sue's really the only one we could check in on at this point. Everyone else yeah. is dead. We can go to hell <laughs> and check in on Carrie. I think the it ending on Carrie's in heaven, the I house, you go to heaven and check in on Carrie. <laughs> I always think hell because she gets sunk into the ground. I'm like, she does. She does. That's where hell is. It's just she doesn't belong there. She's yeah. sweet. It's not her fault. <laughs> I don't know. I think an ending on the house collapsing would be fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's no, I- um, that's the thing that De Palma has done at least one other time where he does like 
the idea of showing someone he does something similar in uh, Dress to Kill, and I, I I wouldn't be surprised if there's another one I'm I'm forgetting, um, where it's someone kind of dreaming about, and you don't realize necessarily that they're dreaming, but it's I think Pauline Kale actually was the one who said either about Dress to Kill or Carrie or both that the idea is that like the nightmare never ends. But I mean, it's also kind of uh, like a psycho thing too, where that movie mm-hmm. ends on a character that you've never seen before explaining the like psychosis of mm-hmm. uh, whatever that guy's name is, which he doesn't dress to kill too in a very, very funny, very problematic way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I guess like, I, I like the idea of checking in on Sue, but I think it would work better if we also checked in on her more throughout the movie. Right. Like, which would ruin the, the twist that she's actually a good person by the time we get to prom. Mm-hmm. So like I I yeah I guess I'm like I like the ending but I do like I kind of understand where Charlie's coming from I do think like it would probably play better if we had spent more time with Sue and knew her as a person as a character and got a sense of this being like part of her tragedy, right? You know I think my my counter to this my argument would be that uh, De Palma can do no wrong and if you guys fucking say another bad <laughs> word about something that he decided to end his film with I will walk off this show now. <laughs> I think the ending. Well, perfect. we are getting Thank to you. the we are getting to the end of the show anyway. So yeah, but I could walk off before this. So <laughs> don't you know? Might as well burn our bridges. Oh, now. I think we got enough material from you already. So <laughs> fuck, make your move. Uh, no, I don't think it like breaks the movie or anything. I'm mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I get it. Yeah, I get what you mean. It does. It does go from like a really strong, really strong visual moment, but I, I still like it as like. A moment of showing the, the the lasting impact of what Carrie did. Mm-hmm. And what Carrie and think, did doesn't I mean, end visually, with Visually, that scare. I mean, it's the only jump scare in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a really mm-hmm. effective one. <laughs> yeah. I I also like it because I read that that was Sissy Spacek's actual hand, and she oh, insisted really? she insisted on doing it. They were going to use a stunt person. De Palma said it didn't make sense for it to be Sissy because no one could notice, and Sissy insisted on doing it. So they had to put her in a box and bury her. And he made oh, so cool. he made Sissy's husband bury her because he did not want to be responsible for burying his star. What a pro! Yeah, I and it, you know, that, that makes me like that more. <laughs> yeah, it makes me like it more because um, it just also goes to show how much Sissy cared about this role in this movie, mm-hmm. and like how much it meant to her in her career. Uh, and I think that shows in her excellent performance, and and it shows in her dedication there. Yeah, I mean, it was a turning point for both of them. I um, I mean, De Palma's, he didn't necessarily achieve it, but his goal with this movie was he was wanting his own Jaws. Mm. Um, I remember, I think they may say it in, um, I don't remember what the name of the book is, The Devil's Candy, whatever book was about the uh, bonfire of the vanities. Um, I'm pretty sure it's in that book. Some In some book about De Palma, they do mention like, he had seen the success that Spielberg had had and was like, well, I, I want that for myself. And he didn't necessarily get it, but I mean, that's probably, this is probably when you, if you ask, if you show someone a list of De Palma movies, this is going to be probably one of the ones they've seen. Yeah. It was a big, it was a relative success. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. Jaws. It wasn't but Jaws it did, big, but it was big. Yeah. It did make like what, 30 million on a less than $2 million budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of his genuine... I mean, he had a lot of not hits, but this one, 
not only was it a hit, but it's a hit that has kind of remained in in the public conscious consciousness. Yeah, it's definitely like stuck in the cultural imagination. Like that image of the prom queen covered in blood, I think is. Mm-hmm. Dress to Kill was also a hit, but no one really talks to that about that except to say it's transphobic these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great movie. Um, but uh, yeah, that one, up until I guess, well, Scarface wasn't a hit either, but that's a movie that everyone knows. Yeah, well, we have talked about one other De Palma on here already, uh, The Untouchables. Yeah, that is a dad. Like that is dad <laughs> to one. its heart. <laughs> yeah. That was part of our Costner month. <laughs> this being his Jaws, I hadn't heard that, but that makes a lot of sense, especially with the structure of the movie, which mm-hmm. is not too different from Jaws in that it presents itself as much more laid back until it mm-hmm. hits that, what I would call act, almost action horror set piece at the end, which Jaws mm-hmm. as well, like is it starts out with a horrific scene, which at the beginning of Jaws, the, the shark attack, the same mirrors like her bullying and then pulls back and becomes this like sitting with these characters and getting to know them so that when that last 20 or 30 minutes of both movies hits, we mm-hmm. get the shark hunt, uh, the, the big action climax of Jaws and the big uh, prom action. You're deeply invested yeah. in what happens to these characters in both instances, both films. This movie is what's missing, I think, is a, you just need a Quentin here. <laughs> Someone yeah. hunting Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if they gave Travolta like a big Quint speech. <laughs> Quint's one of the teachers, actually. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a scene and he's like nails on the chalkboard, but then he's teaching math. He's teaching fishing. Yes. <laughs> fishing class. Charlie, any final thoughts on Carrie? Yeah. Uh, Love it. Love Carrie. It's one that I watch pretty much every year around Halloween time. Uh, and it's always, I always uh, come away from it feeling uh, very like uncomfortable, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel like puts it in a little different zone than uh, most other horror movies. It's not quite hitting on the in the same space. Uh, so yeah, I really appreciate that. I think the De Palma and King combo is like a strange one that I wouldn't necessarily like assume would hit really well together, but it definitely does. Uh, I think they bring some interesting stuff out of each other. I think I'm probably sitting around like a four and a half out of five on this one. How about you? Yeah, yeah. For me, it's pretty similar. Uh, I hadn't seen this movie since I was a kid. Probably not a kid. Probably like a teen. I hadn't seen it in like over 10 years. Uh, so I didn't remember like the beats. I remember the scariness at the end. And so rewatching it, I was actually taken aback from how, maybe not chill, but uh, how unheightened most of the movie is. Uh, we talked about that before. Uh, so like we're talking like it's not outright with its scares until the last minute, which like, I, I wasn't sure how you felt about it for like 80% of the runtime, I think. Like, I'm like, I'm liking it, but it's not what I remember the movie being. And like, I'm like, I'm, it's building to something and I'm waiting. And it, when, the, when the thing it's building to hits, when the prom hits, it's just like everything about this movie suddenly clicks. Everything it's building up before, all the threads it's doing with these characters, uh, with like 
Carrie as as a person who who is facing persecution and, and all of that kind of you get the release and then the the anger. Uh, it, it's just it's really good. It, it's not the movie I remembered it being. It is this uh, much more. Um, uh, I don't know. Not leisurely paced, uh, methodical almost in its pace. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not out. It's not like super energetic. It, like I said, it doesn't bring the kind of scares I associate with a lot of the horror movies that I go to. It's not like a, a John Carpenter or something. It doesn't have a heavy, dreadful atmosphere the whole time. It, it sort of punctuates this this, this teen thing. Uh, it's it's a really good time. It's a great movie. Uh, De Palma freaks it at that ending. Uh, I really liked it. I, I have it at a, at a four out of five. Is what I'm going to give it on the letterbox when I remember to update letterboxed. I'm months behind. I'll get there eventually. Great movie. That's my summary. Jessica, how are you feeling about it? I mean, obviously, I, I love it. Um, I think, you know, I'm, as I've said before, I'm, I'm pretty into the, I'm not pretty, I'm very, very, very into the Palma. And so it's easy for me to, I think, underrate this one sometimes next to, probably the lesser known ones that I tend to like more. But I mean, when I finished watching this uh, the other day, I, I remember thinking like, Oh, is this, is this actually his best movie? <laughs> like there's something so emotionally impactful about it. Um, you know, he's, he's got a few movies, you know, for someone who's kind of considered a cold stylist, um, he's got a few movies that are really, really good at like just getting your heart really well. And, this is this is up there among them. Um, it's a great movie. I love it. Um, I'm, I'm obviously I'm going to say five out of five. I think it's yeah. I th- I honestly think even with some of the goofy stuff that maybe feels out of place now, I think it's pretty close to if not a perfect movie. And you're right. It, it feels a lot. Uh, I would say warmer than a lot of the other De Palmas that I love. Uh, like I think my favorite mm-hmm. De Palmas Blowout, and I, and I think this definitely has like it definitely touches more on like that warmth uh, uh, uh of this like mm-hmm. teenage life exactly even yeah. in the face of this bullying and darkness i would totally agree with that it's a great one it's a unique one it's not like the other i've only seen like five de palmas it's, it's nothing like the other four that i've seen no and one of you know he's got a few movies that focus on um women women main characters but this one I honestly think I think the way you know probably his closest to actually like feeling like the characters are real women mm-hmm. um, that uh, that that just connects really really well. It's uh, it's a, it's a powerful experience. Yeah, he 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 feels like he nails it. Not that I'm I'm not I don't know what that experience is like as a woman, but like uh, it it feels like when I'm watching this, I'm like it's a lot of it. I think is obviously like Sissy being incredible. Sissy Spacek like, mm-hmm. cannot say it enough how great she is in this movie. Yeah, a lot of people really giving just whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, the the basis of King's story just being a really good story or um, the, Sissy, De Palma, the actors, everyone is just... Uh, we barely even mentioned Pino Donaggio who does the score. Mm-hmm. Um, just everyone is just giving, giving everything to this. Speaking of giving everything... I don't really have it. I don't know how to tie that into anything. You say like we've uh, we've given everything we have to this. We've given yes, we've given everything we have on Carrie. I think so. 
I don't know what next we recorded this ahead of time. I don't know what next week episode is. It's a surprise to me. It's a surprise to you, the listeners at home. We'll all find out together, I think. But until next time, please follow us at Dadcore Cinema on Twitter. Listen to us wherever you're listening to us right now. Uh, go to dadcorecinema.club if you don't want to find the podcast. That's where you can find it. It's on iTunes. It's everywhere. You'll figure it out. You can follow me on Twitter at that one guy 64 Charlie, where can we find you? Uh, I'm at the Tumboy. By the time this comes out, I will probably no longer be suspended. So come read my new tweets. Oh, yeah. And Jessica, what do you have going on? Um, so, yeah, I can be found at um, uh, Bad Post, at Bad Post LLC. Um, I also, if, if it's okay to plug, mm-hmm. um, I had an article come out earlier this year I'm very proud of with uh, Polygon. It was a big feature I wrote on um, the uh, not very well-known DC trans superhero, um, uh, Coagula from uh, Doom Patrol. Uh, you can find that, uh, uh, just, you know, search Coagula, uh, Jessica Kretz, uh, Polygon. I'm sure you'll find it. Um, and I've also written some, uh, some work on, uh, diploma. Um, I wrote a defense of, um, <laughs> the transphobic film that I love dressed to kill, uh, for, um, cinema marquee. And I, I you know, highly recommend if anyone's interested in that, checking that out. So. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This was amazing. Thanks for yeah, thanks on. for coming. And until next time, remember what it says in the Bible, thou shalt not suffer a podcaster to live. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.